0: You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. This morning is our final message in our two-month series of this question of who is God. And it's been a great journey as we've looked at various aspects of God's character. We've looked at his moral attributes in life group and his natural attributes. We've We've discovered how powerful He is. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere present. He's unchanging. He's righteous. He's truth. He's love. In our Sunday services, we've looked at the fact that he's, he's a good Father who's got good things in store for us. He's a God who keeps His promises. He's a God who sees. He's our shepherd. He's our healer. He's our provider. And the list could just keep going. He is everything. God is everything that we need. This morning, we we come to know God as Yahweh Shalom, which is the Lord is peace. And uh, just before we look at kind of unpackages, I just came across a, a great story of a number of years ago, uh, there was a retired couple who were alarmed at the threat of nuclear war. How many of you remember the, the Cold War that kind of was going on and, and there was nuclear uh, superpowers, which exist in the world today still, but there was this kind of fear of that it all could kick off at any moment. And so this couple undertook uh, this this quest to find a real peaceful place on the world that is inhabited, yet most unlikely place in which war or anything could could happen, that they would be safe from any nuclear attack. And so they traveled the world, they studied, they, they looked, and they discovered that there was one place that seemed the safest of, the, of them all, and it was the Falkland Islands. Now, if anyone knows your, your own history here, you'll discover that they moved there, only to discover war found them. <laughs> Funny story. The very paradise they were looking for turned into a war zone between Argentina and Great Britain. You know, people will go to great lengths to try to find that peace and solidarity. Um, you know, they'll move to other countries, they'll think, you know, for people, oh, we just go to Canada, the great wilderness of nothingness, it's so peaceful. Yeah, I live there. I've not always felt peaceful there. It's cold. It's, it's hard to feel at peace when you're frozen. Uh, maybe you are at peace if you're frozen stiff. But anyways, some trying to escape this reality, trying to live in isolation. People will go into the mountains and, and, and try to live as, you know, uh, as a monk or be or completely, completely separate, separate from everything. Yet peace still evades them. Because true peace can only be found in God. There's this reality that we could try to find peace in the absence of everything else that in our kind of human context we think, well, this isn't what peace is. So if I remove myself from the exterior of conflict and agitation, I will come to a place of peace. But that's not true, is it? You can be by yourself in the middle of nowhere and not be at peace. It, it, it doesn't actually, you know, we... We can't unplug our thoughts. We can't unplug our hearts and, and and pull away from all of this. When Jesus came to the earth, he was called the Prince of Peace. God is the author of peace. And God is the first ascribed to this name, Yahweh Shalom, in Judges chapter 6. And here's kind of the context. Israel has is turned away from God, which, as you read through the Old Testament, just seems to keep happening. They turn away from God. As a result, Israel has been oppressed by the Midianites. And uh, they become impoverished. The Midianites come in they, with raiding parties and, you know, they grow their crops, the Israelites, and, and everything they have just keeps getting taken away. They they have nothing. And uh, at one point along this journey of of oppression, the Israelites begin to cry out to God. They realize, actually, we've sinned. We've turned away from God. And so God responds in His grace and His mercy. And He He appears to this great guy, Gideon. And he commissions him to, to lead Israel in a, in a response to what the Midianites are doing. And uh, Gideon is one of these unlikely people that God comes to and says he's a mighty warrior when he himself is a fearful man. And uh, we see the story, he's threshing wheat in a wine press. And if anyone knows this, um, not that I'm a farmer in any fashion, but uh, in order to thresh wheat, Uh, You need a breeze. You need wind. Wine press was in a closure. And so the very, it was counterproductive to try to separate the chaff from the wheat in a wine press when there's no wind. But the reason he was trying to do it there is so that the Midianites wouldn't see him, right? He was doing it undercover. And so in this place of fear, in this place of, of, um, yeah, feeling under threat, certainly not leading people. He wasn't like the, the most obvious choice. God comes to him, and and God begins to speak to him and begins to to call him out to this role of leading Israel, and uh, he even Gideon re- recognized the fact that he's the least of the least in his family and also in Israel. He, I mean, he is the bottom of the of the pile. If God was going to choose a likely person, it should not be him. He he did not think he was the right person for the job, and as a sign, as as this as this kind of conversation goes on. There's a fear and doubt in, in Gideon and what's, what's being said to him. And as a sign for himself that this conversation really was happening, he asked that he could prepare a meal or an offering for the angel of the Lord. In essence, he just, I, just to kind of prove that this is an actual real conversation, I want to prepare an offering. Would you stay? I'm going to prepare something and, and then let, let's see what happens. And so, This is kind of where we pick up the story, actually. In verse 20 of Judges 6, it says this. The angel said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. With the tip of his staff that was in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Then Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord. He explained, he explained sorry, exclaimed, there we go. Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it The Lord is Peace. To this day, it stands in Oprah of the Aborites, no, sorry, Abbas writes, and we'll stop there. When the penny drops in Gideon's realization that he wasn't just talking to any person, but he was actually interacting with God, he becomes even more afraid. If he wasn't afraid before, he was really afraid now because he, he wasn't just entertaining any person. It wasn't just a prophet. It wasn't just, it was actually, this was, this was an encounter with God. And because there was this understanding, because it was God, He was, it was the angel of the Lord, and again, in other passages of Scripture, we can understand that this is an interaction He's having with God. He was going to die because God is a holy God and He is unworthy to have this conversation face to face with. Now, God says to Him in one word, peace or shalom. Now, in English, this word peace in the dictionary, it says freedom from disturbance or say a period in which there's no war. In our language, peace there is kind of a, a limiting term. However, the word shalom goes a little bit deeper than that. It does include those two things, but it goes a bit deeper. It's also a place of finding completeness or wholeness in oneself and having a soundness of who you are. So when God says shalom, there wasn't just a freedom a, a it wasn't just that now the war is going to stop, but there was a wholeness that he spoke over Gideon. at that moment, something shifted in Gideon's life. Something changed at that moment. And God says, "Peace, peace. Not like peace, dude, but peace. There was something that shifted in him. It was from the inside out. It was a peace that surpassed understanding that we read about in Philippians four, seven for Gideon. This was so significant that he builds an altar and calls it. The Lord is peace. He he, he makes a monument saying this is this is something something happened in me at this moment. I got to make an altar. I got to make something at last so people can see that God is God of peace. He is. That's who he is. God is peace. It's that realization, even in the past weeks, when we say that God is our shepherd, when we see that God is the healer, when we see God is our provider, God is peace. This is a revelation. Uh, Gideon has a revelation deep in his heart that God is peace. This is part of his identity. It's not just something he does. He doesn't, God doesn't bring peace, but God is peace. Okay? It's his character. Everywhere God is, peace comes. This is part of what we see. Now, as we start to look and unpackage There's three significant ways in which the Lord is peace that affects our lives. Two of these ways affected Gideon's life. And the first one is God is peace between man and God. Now, Gideon's fear was that as a sinful man, he had faced God. He was with God face to face. And thus, death was the consequence. And yet at that moment, when God says peace, there was a glimpse of God's mercy and grace because Gideon was unworthy to be in that circumstance, right? I mean, we see it even uh, in in Exodus when they come to the Mount Sinai. If if there was if there was an interaction, the Israelites, as far as if they went up the mountain, if they were, they went past certain barriers, there was death. They couldn't not anyone could just enter the holy of holies; otherwise, there would be death. Right? There was a clear understanding in the Israelites that coming into God's presence in this way, because of sin and separation, there was death. And yet in this moment, when God says peace, we see a glimpse of grace in this moment. Before atonement, before Jesus has come, which we'll talk to and we'll mention in just a second, before any of that, we see that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is still merciful and gracious, even the Old Testament, despite what some people might think. It isn't like hard Rough God in the Old Testament and loving Jesus in the New. You know, what God is the same all throughout. And when there are these moments when man encounters God and God says peace into this, he's speaking of something supernatural. He foreshadows what is yet to come. And what is yet to come, as it reflects our lives and our situations today, is what we see in Colossians. In Colossians chapter 1 verses 19 and 20 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, to make peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus made peace between man and God, taking our sin and the punishment for our sin, which is death. This is what Gideon was afraid of. When man sins. Right at the very beginning, there was separation between us and God the Father. In fact, because of the sin, there was a wrath, there was judgment that needed to come because of the sin. It's the same thing as, a, in essence, there's a consequence. If my kids do something terribly wrong, terribly, terribly wrong, there's a consequence for that wrong, right? Well, okay, there is. Because there's, there's a punishment for that. Now God, because of sin, there was a punishment there was there was a wrath of sin towards sin now Jesus came to reconcile everything to make peace be in this relationship between us and God and so we can because God is peace when Jesus came, what did he what was his mission? His mission was to bring peace right because that's who God is God is a peacemaker, and so although there was separation although there was there was anger or wrath to the sin, God is a God of peace. And so He did everything in His power, which is taking the wrath, taking the judgment upon Himself so that peace could be brought because that's who God is. He's peace. And if God is at work, peace is the result. Always. And that happens in our relationship with him. We can try to kind of earn favor with God. We can try to be nice people. We can give, put money in the offering. We can do all sorts of things. But nothing will make peace with God without God being involved with it. And because God is involved with it, Jesus came and he died. And that whole process was reconciling us. And so all that was against us and all that stood in in opposition to us, God makes peace. And he reconciles the relationship. And there's a wholeness and restoration that comes to this relationship. This is true peace. When God says peace, there's true peace. When God says there's peace in our relationship, there's no longer war in our relationship between us and the father. There's complete peace. And I don't know about you, but the day that you give your life to Jesus, there comes a rest in your heart. You're not fighting this. Force that you you know you're resisting and resisting. At a point you say, "God, I give my life to you. I accept Jesus." Suddenly there is a peace. Amen. Wow, it's amazing, isn't it? Only God can speak peace in this way, because His peace is not just spoken word, but it's it's doing all the actions to create the peace. God didn't just speak peace over the human race without an action required. To make the peace. When Jesus came to the earth. He came to make the peace. You see the reality is. I can be with God. And have no fear. In fact we're, we're encouraged to come boldly. Before the throne of, of grace. Why because there's a peace in the relationship. I don't know about you. But I, when you live in an environment. Where there's tension. We don't always come boldly. Before each other. Because we know that there's. Agitation. How many know those environments? They're uncomfortable, right? When you know something's wrong. And again, in the Old Testament, people didn't just rush into the Holy of Holies because they knew something was wrong. I mean, there was a curtain saying that there was something wrong. You do not come past this point. And if you do, you better have atoned for your own sin, high priest. Otherwise, you'll be dead on the other side of this curtain. The curtain symbolized something was wrong. Yet when God comes, there was... There was a peace brought so that he says, actually, there's such a peace. You can come. You can just come to me because there's nothing here anymore. There's nothing more beautiful than a restored relationship where you can come and you can come boldly before one another because peace has been brought. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And how much more in our relationship with God when we can come boldly before him because he's brought the peace. Can I tell you what? The closer I get to him, the more peace I receive. The closer you get to God, the more you press into him, the more peace you receive in your heart. It's a it's a fact. You see, it's the very opposite. The Old Testament, the very the closer they got to God in his presence, the more fear they had. Right. Is that not true? In the New Testament, in the New Covenant, the closer we come to God, the more peace we have. Because God says, peace, I'm peace, I've made peace. And so if I draw near to him, if I press into him, actually, I will receive more and more peace because he brings that peace. He's removed the hostility. He's removed the wrath in him. I find the peace from the depths in the depths of who I am. And so the Lord is peace in our relationship with us to him. But he's also he's the, the Lord of peace in our hearts and our minds, despite our circumstances. And going back again, Gideon's situation, the Midianites were still there, weren't they? Nothing physically had changed in that situation yet. You get God says peace. And so there was a restoration in the relationship, but there was also a peace in the circumstance that they were facing. The circumstances hadn't changed yet. God speaks this peace over Gideon, the shalom. And I believe Gideon received a peace That was unexplainable at that moment. Again, I believe it was so impacting to him that he felt he needed to make a memorial at that moment of the peace that he had. The Midianites were still camped around him. There was all this stuff still going on, and yet he woke up in the morning and there was this peace there. How is it? How is it that our life, we come to Jesus one day, and yet our life, it isn't that life suddenly changes and everything becomes yippee skippy. That's a word that you can use anytime you want. (laughs) Yippee skippy. Happy clappy. Whatever you want to say. It isn't that suddenly life all becomes grand at the point we give our life. Yet there's something happens deep inside of us that starts to change everything. We wake up in the morning and when Jesus is in charge and when we press into him, there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. And although on the surface nothing has changed in our life, something has changed in us. Why? Because God says peace, shalom, wholeness, contentment, soundness in all that you are. This is what I'm bringing to the table in your life. Peace is what I'm bringing. We look for peace in the void of conflict and problems. Yet God's peace comes in the midst of problems and conflict. Gideon was still in the midst of all of this stuff. Nothing had changed at this moment. Yet there was peace because who was in charge? God was in charge. You see, at that point of us coming to Christ, at that point of us surrendering to him, drawing into him, peace comes because the load is and the burden is not on our lives, but it's upon him. And because of that, we can have peace in the midst of the storms and the crises and all those things that are going on because he is the burden bearer of our lives. And at the point that we 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 can look to him and trust in him, true that that peace comes in our lives because he's the one who's the author of peace. You see, the opposite of peace is this fear and worry, isn't it? That's why. That's why God had to speak to Gideon, peace. You see, the enemy wants us to live in the realm of fear and worry, doesn't he? If we give him one inch in our life, one thought in our life, if we give him any foothold in our life, the byproduct, byproduct of the enemy's work in our life is always fear, is always worry, and it's always stress. That's the realm that the enemy works in. And if you're living at this moment in your life, in your Christian walk, and you're living in this domain of fear, worry and stressfulness, then there's something not quite right. Because when we're in God's domain, when we come to a place of peace, actually there is rest for our souls. There's a wholeness that comes and actually something needs to shift from this place to that place. God says peace. I speak peace over to you. And, and Jesus says this himself in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. Why could Jesus leave peace? How could he say I leave you peace? Because he was peace. How could he leave something that he is not? I leave you peace because I am peace. I am the prince of peace. I am the author of peace. So I can leave peace because that's what I've got possession of. The same way as when we look at God is love. God isn't, doesn't just show love. God is love. He's the author of love. And so we can draw to, when we, when He says, I give you something, it's because that's who He is. And so when we receive His Spirit, do you know what His Spirit is? A spirit of? Peace. peace, Because that's who He is. His, the Holy Spirit brings peace. That's part of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. I leave this peace. The peace that we receive from God comes as we put our trust in Him giving ourselves over uh, the the cares and concerns, and we allow Him to take control in our life. Choosing to live a life led by the Spirit, peace will be a part of what comes out of us. Is it not the fruit of the Spirit? Part of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Why do we get love? Because God is love. Why do we get joy? Because God is joy. Why do we get peace? Because God is peace. And so if his spirit is in me and I'm being led by the spirit and every time I want to lean to my own understanding and move in that realm of my old flesh, peace is there when the spirit says, but I just want you to trust me, Tyler, on this. And if I lean into the spirit and not into my flesh, actually, you know what happens? Peace comes out of my life because his spirit brings peace in every situation, in every circumstances. Your peace is not dependent upon your life sorting out. It is not. Now, God says, peace comes before life sorts itself out. Right? We're waiting for it to happen. Once I get retired, then peace will come. No, I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way, does it? Any retired people can attest to that? Peace doesn't just automatically happen when you quit your job. It doesn't happen. In fact, peace comes always before the victory. Amen. It does. Peace comes. That's that's the sign that you're on God's side on this one. Your life situations, your family circumstances, your job, anything else can still be all upside down. Yet the sign that you are entrusted to God is when peace is reigning in your heart at that moment. You can then be assured the victory will come on the other on the other things because you are you yourself are in the right place. You see, that's the barometer for our own lives. That's how we know we're in the right place is when we're living in a place of peace right now. If I'm at peace, that means God's in control. And if God's in control, everything's going to work out. Yeah. Woo! Happy days. Happy days. I can have a good sleep tonight because it's all going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. This peace that God gives us is a peace that protects our minds and our hearts. And again, we see this in Philippians 4, 7. It guards our hearts and minds. And you know what? You and I were not created for worry. You know that? When God created us, he didn't create us with, with that, that mechanism. It's part of the fall, isn't it? I don't believe Adam and Eve before they sinned. I don't believe they worried about anything. I believe they walked in the garden. I believe they did what God had called them to do. And I believe there was just a, such a sense of peace. Because God was in control. God was God. They were them. They they they, they, they were doing what they needed to do. But at the point that sin entered the, the human race. Conflict and wrath and consequences. And all those things started to come into play. And fear Was a byproduct of that. Yet God has come to restore all things. And that's why shalom is a completeness. It's a restoration. When God says shalom over your life. He says peace over your life. It's coming back to a place of wholeness again. Again as believers. We can live such fragmented lives. And God just wants to speak shalom over you. Just trust me. Shalom. I am God. Press into me and you'll find peace. Let me be in control of everything else. It will work out if I'm in control. The third area, just as I, we, we bring it to the close. The Lord is also peace between us. You know, and again, this is, the third area is not necessarily an area that Gideon experienced at this moment, but, you know, before Christ came to this earth, there was a, there was separation between us. Between Jew and Gentile, between man and female, between slave and free, there was there was separation. Yet when Christ came, he spoke shalom over everyone. That actually, there was no longer from the Tower of Babel. There was separation, wasn't there? There was separation. Again, it was a re- result of the fall. There was separation given between man that we could not work together, that we there had to be separation. Because if we work together in completeness, man, goodness knows the evil we could do. Really, that was God's thoughts. He knew what evil could be done. So he had to bring separation. But actually, in Christ, there was a joining together again of all people. Isn't this amazing? He brought all things together under himself. And so in Galatians 3, 26. Sounds like the little guys are having fun out there. 26. All right. But Jerusalem, oh, sorry, I'm in the wrong passage. But you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you belong to the seed and are heirs according to the promise. I tell you what, guys, every dividing wall of hostility has been destroyed. Jesus died upon the cross, and we see in Ephesians 2 that he destroyed the hostility and brought peace between the Jews and the Gentiles. We are all now one in Christ. And so again, when God seeks peace, there's this complete peace. The body of Christ is the peace of God, isn't it? We reflect the peace of God because we can all be together from all different backgrounds, from different countries, from different genders, we're only two genders, but. but we are one. We are one. There's not a hierarchy of one is better than the other. Actually, in Christ, there is none of that anymore. All of the old system that would elevate one over the other is gone. God has brought peace to us. Again, when we look at the body of Christ, we see Jesus as peace. And because he is the head of this body, there is a peace between us. We are one as he and the father are one. Isn't that what Jesus prayed for us? He brings the shalom between us. We can come together. We can have a connection one to another because he is the God of peace who does it for us. In God's kingdom, there's a place for everyone because he has made peace for everyone to be there. The Lord is peace. And just as I recap... These three areas. The Lord is peace in restoring our relationship with him. And I tell you what, if you're here today and you have not experienced that peace he can bring. Can I implore you to do it? We can run our whole life. From the very thing that will bring us the greatest satisfaction deep inside. And I know firsthand in my own life. That the the day, the, the time in my life when I chose to surrender to him. You know what? Everything changed in me. It doesn't mean everything in in my life has been perfect, but it does mean day to day. I know what it means to come before God and experience his presence. The Lord is also our peace in our everyday lives, and the circumstances we face. And again, can I encourage you, no matter what you're going through today, if you feel life is overwhelming or if you feel you're in a situation that's beyond you, can I tell you what? God speaks peace right now over you. It is not dependent upon everything else sorting out. It's dependent upon who he is. And if you just trust him and press into him, peace will come in your heart. The Bible says that we need the peace of God rule our hearts, rule our decisions. Rule means that the, the direction of our lives. If you're not in peace right now, something's not right. I encourage you to come closer to God to find where the peace needs to be. And again, amongst us as a church, God has brought peace in our lives to join us together. If you feel that there's not peace amongst us, a harmony, I tell you what, we need to press into God. Because actually, he's connected us. You may not like me, but you're connected to me. And there should be nothing between us. There should be nothing. Do you know what? The enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He's out to divide the body. He's out to cause tension between people but you know well that's not the work of god when god's at work there's always peace and and wholeness in the body isn't there you can always see the handiwork of god because there's always division or sorry the handiwork of the enemy there's always division you can see when god is moving because there's wholeness and there's oneness in the body i tell you what that's the realm i want to be in i hope that's the realm you want to be in i'm just going to call the the worship team up